seen your talk yet, but now I have to watch Don't watch, watch it. it. Don't watch it. I don't have anything good to say. Like, do you ever feel that way, Tim? Like, that's the that's the nature of the indie game industry, you know? It's like, you always feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing. Oh, um, my God. You do. I, I get so pissed off when I get emails like, well, Tim, yeah, you would know this because you're a successful <laughs> indie game developer. And you right. do. You, I'm like, what? I have no clue. What, I don't even know what video I'm going to post tomorrow or yeah. like what? Well, like, you no. also, you also, but, but your videos, see, this is what makes you special is your videos, you, you project such confidence. And I think that, um, potential, Thank indie you for saying that. potential indie game developers have to learn this. And I'm actually reading a book. It's called the next generation leader. I just finished it up. And, um, it's a, it's basically about how, even though a leader might feel like they don't know what the hell they're doing, uh, they have to project that they do. Yes. Um, if, if they want people to follow them. And so I That's had especially to... <laughs> true in like teams and stuff. Like I've noticed if I have working with contractors or something, if I give any hint that I don't know what I'm doing, oh, yeah. they start to question you. They start yeah. to ask questions. They start to change stuff. Like, yeah. So yeah, like totally. there's, there's this mentality that notch kind of at least made it mainstream. He's, he was the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, and, and basically I don't, I don't actually like talking about it and I think that it's kind of BS, but I mean, everyone at some point is going to feel like a fraud, right? right. And, yeah. and so my thought process is I'm not going to let myself feel that way. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be the How person. How do you do that? You gotta, you gotta give me the secret on that. Well, man, I, I'm still I was, there. I had unity, unity flew out and did a documentary of, of my studio. I live in South Carolina, which is, you know, four, whatever, three or four states. I don't can't remember how far how far we're, above we're somewhat close two states. What is it? I should know this. Um, we share an ocean. Yeah, we share an ocean. But uh, they flew out <laughs> to South Carolina from San Francisco, and one of the videographers who flew in, he's this really successful videographer guy who his name is Ben Proudfoot, and we had a really strong heart to heart. He filmed me, and he just said, "You know, how do you feel? How, are you insecure?" And this was before like I even finished Pinstripe. And so much insecurity came out of my mouth in the interview. Like an hour after the interview, he just kept filming, 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 filming. And it got to the point where I, it was like a, it was almost like a, a self-indulgent um, sob fest about indie game development. And after he shut off his camera, he, like, he basically talked to me and said, you've got to learn to be confident in who you are if you want yeah. to be successful. And my message to indie game developers is to stop posting, and no offense to anyone who's listening to this, because I do it, I've done it too, but stop posting memes about how unsuccessful you are <laughs> and how little money you make. Like it's time, it's time for indie game developers to be not confident that they're gonna make a lot of money, but confident that they're doing what they love and happy about it, because you and I are so lucky that we get to do what we, we do, you know? Well, we, you say lucky, but there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes, too. There is, but like, here, here's uh, the one piece of luck, though, is that you and I were born in America, right? I mean, that's... Yes, like, sir. Yes, that, yes. And that we're that. in this time period, right? Because, no, like, the, the indie game development is such a new thing, and we're so lucky that we, we're born in this generation, I guess. But Absolutely. I know what you're saying. It's like a combo. It, it's, it's rough, too, because, like, I totally get that. Like, I'm a straight white male. I'm white. I'm 6'2". <laughs> my biggest problem is not where what I'm going to eat or where I'm going to sleep. It's yeah. like I don't feel like working on a video game today. <laughs> so, yeah, like, in that regard, yeah. totally. Like, I am so blessed and, like, so extremely fortunate to be in the position I'm in. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I feel like we are – 
I mean, I can't say globally because I know there's a lot of areas and places that, that need a lot of help. But I think as some of the developing nations or the developed nations kind of, we, we move toward this place where robots are taking over these oh, yeah. these jobs that don't require real skills. And and, and everything is, is really becoming about thought and art. And, uh, you know, like, I think that stuff becomes more prevalent and i think like what you were saying about my youtube channel like i i found a little niche i think because i talked about like so many issues that i struggled that i literally thought i was the only one yeah and yes i did feel stupid and i did feel like those weren't valid problems because of yeah. you know like who i am and like the things that i've done yeah and like if i know like i read something the other day where if you got like a roof over your head and you have food to eat you're you're richer than like 50 percent of the world or something yeah. like that yeah that's yeah, crazy well you know and that's and, uh I'm just learning that it's not really about the, and this is this is a result of my last podcast I had. I had a podcast with um, Zengua. I think it's how you say his name. He's my publisher, and I should I should know how to say his name, but it's Zengua Yang. <laughs> yeah. But we call him Z. We call him Z, and he's the owner of Serenity Forge. And he had three hours to live. He was on his deathbed. Um, and so he knows, I guess, what it means to be lucky. And so I was complaining about the industry and how there needs to be like huge barrier barriers of entry like you need to pay a thousand bucks to get your game on steam and he said basically you know hold on thomas like there are people in the world who are really good at making games but they cannot afford that and i was thinking like any american afford can afford that because just go and you know use your credit card but you forget that people like especially on these indie game groups like on facebook and stuff like a lot of them are are people from you know, the Middle East, you know, uh, places that maybe you can't, you can't fully, uh, afford that kind of stuff. But I hear what you're saying. Like, it's such a great time to be alive. And, and the fact that you and I worry about, you know, how, what, what what we're going to make for our project or, or the stresses, the stresses of indie game development is like, that's like so cool that that's the only thing we're worried about, you know? And I like I see that from from two different perspectives. Like one, I I totally agree with you. There are some people that are extremely less fortunate than us, and they can't afford any of the stuff that we do. Like they're worried about where they're going to sleep tonight. But at the same yeah. time, like I have this belief in me because like I grew up super poor. Like my parents would fight about money all the time. Right. Uh, we were living in HUD apartments. Like we were living in ghetto ass areas. Wow. We, I. What I did when I like built a company is like I it took so much like willpower and force yeah. that I didn't even feel like I had to just like and I wouldn't even say make it, but just like survive, especially in like Los Angeles where like rent it was like super high and like it it took just so much like work and effort that I feel like a lot of people when they complain about stuff really what they're saying is they they wish it was easier they wish they yeah. didn't have to put in the work yeah I hear you, you know? man I hear you. I see I when I first started talking to you I didn't know you lived in L A um, did did you live there your whole life so I'm I moved there with a suitcase when I was eighteen <laughs> oh no way dude. And, uh, and I lived there for five or six years, and wow. I, I built a marketing company there, and I sold it, and then I got the hell out of there because <laughs> that almost destroyed me mentally. Wow. Well, tell me why, if you don't mind. Okay. So I, I kind of have to tell you. The, the I'll try and give you the quick version if I can. So okay. I built this piece of software 
that was for game developers. Basically, there was this engine called FPS Creator, which was drag and drop, make it FPS game. Mm -hmm. But it was really hard to get your own assets into that engine, and it was a great engine. It's just every game that came out of it looked the same because they were using all the cookie cutter assets. Gotcha. So I made this piece of software that would allow you to import your ass your own assets into there. You would like load it in, set the animations, set like the health of the enemy or whatever. Click export, and boom, it's in the engine. Um, and I put it online for sale for five bucks, and nobody bought it. And I was destroyed because I spent so much time yeah, in my dude. life trying to build this thing that I thought for sure was needed because I used it every day yeah. and nobody bought it. And so I started researching marketing. I got a bunch of books. I read a bunch of stuff. I redid the landing page. I messed with a bunch of stuff. I raised the price from $5 to $29 wow. and it started selling like crazy. No way, dude. And I made like six figures as a high school student trying to like, like <laughs> with some random thing on the internet. Yeah. And it was like, what, what is going on? Like what, like I used to joke cause I had this PayPal card and people would pay via PayPal and the PayPal card never ran out of money. <laughs> and I was just like, what, what is going on this? And of course that ended, you know, the engine went out there and that, that stopped yep. working. But my dad had a friend in LA that owned a, a real estate development firm and he had 19 different properties. And he was talking to him one day and said, oh, my son knows marketing, blah, blah, blah. And I managed to get a meeting with the guy and he was like, you know marketing? I was like, yeah, totally. I I'm, I did this thing and I marketed this thing and it's great. And he ended up giving me a job where basically they gave me a place to live in exchange for uh, doing all the marketing. And I did marketing for like the 19 different properties. I built them all websites. I did SEO. Wow. I did a bunch of stuff for them. Just learning as I was going. Yeah. And then using that, sounds like you got a phone call. No, that's okay. We'll keep it going. It's life. Uh, yeah, it, it happens. <laughs> uh, so learning all that, I had those 19 properties as like a portfolio. So then I started a marketing company, right. blah, blah, blah. It turns out a couple of years later, I kind of realized like, what the hell am I doing? I was yeah. supposed to make video games. Yeah, dude. I'm doing marketing. Yeah. And then on top of that. I was starting to get to the point where, you know, it, it's a company. You have to make money. And so I was taking on clients that, like, I didn't believe in their product. Yeah. And I was in, like, the more obligation of, like, having to sell something that I don't think people should buy. Yeah. Uh, and that, like, ripped my soul out of me. And oh, I was man, just like, this dude. is not – like, it was, it was such a stressful thing. Yeah. And then I was having – issues with my partner and I was just like whatever We're, I'm, yeah. I'm done and yeah. so we just uh, we ended up selling it and I took off on a road trip across the United States in my Challenger and I just uh, as long as it took I stopped everywhere I wanted to go I stopped Roswell to see aliens no way dude to hang out like I just did whatever the hell I wanted to do and like at the end of like a year or two of like not knowing what I wanted to do I just kept remembering video games video games video games yep. that's what I wanted to do yep. And uh, that's what I got back into, and that's when I started the the whole YouTube channel. And at the beginning of the YouTube channel, too, I didn't have any game development stuff to share because I hadn't made any video games. So I started sharing marketing stuff. Wow. And uh, that seemed to be beneficial to a few yeah. people. Man, dude, so. that's such a beautiful story. But it's so strange because it parallel tracks my story, like, almost to a T. I mean, I didn't, I didn't sell anything for $100,000, but, like, uh, when I was in high school, um, I just, I made my first game coma, this flash game and, um, it just, it went gangbusters like instantly. Um, wow. and I think I made like 25,000 bucks, um, wow. as an 18 year old. That's and epic. I remember like going to the pool with my friends and saying like, like, dude, I just made 
like at the time I had like, I made like a thousand bucks starting out. And I was like, I just made a thousand bucks off of this stupid game. And they were like, are you serious off of a game? And so at that point I, I kind of understood like it's almost intoxicating to make games and not only have people appreciate them, but be willing to give you money for them. Um, so yeah. like at that moment I knew I wanted to do it, but listen, so I, I go, I talked to my dad and he's like, you should do this. You should do this. And I was, I kind of got hesitant and I said, you know what, I'm going to go to college and get a degree in it basically marketing. I got a degree in graphic communications, which is like printing and design and stuff. Um, and some like wow. general communication stuff. So I worked after I graduated from Clemson, I, uh, I, um, got married and I got a job at a marketing agency and dude, That's I know sweet. exactly what you're talking about where you're just doing work that you just <laughs> don't want to do. Like, it's not only, it's not that I didn't believe in the work. It's that I had no feelings about it at all. I was doing, I was doing, um, yeah. cl uh, client work for tire companies and, uh, oh, wow. faucet companies and, <laughs> and it was like training modules and stuff. So I was during that time, dude, I, I said, I know I'm, I know I'm going to like end up just blowing my brains out if I stay here. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to work my ass off every morning at, at, during lunch and in the evenings. And my wife was really like, she totally believed in me. And she was like, you know, go upstairs, go in your office and just work in the evening. So like I try and get in three to four hours a day, well, two to four hours a day, um, to finish pinstripe. Um, and so that was like, a from 18 to 25, 18 years old wow. to 25 years old, I was just working my butt off, dude. And it's the reason I think the reason I think I'm so against complaining in the industry is because I think it slowed me down. Now, obviously, obviously, it's really hard to get to that mindset where you believe in yourself and you're fully confident in what yeah. you're doing. But if you look at anybody who's successful, um, they get to a point where they're, they do start to believe in themselves. It doesn't mean they're not insecure from time to time. But back to our original talking point is you've got to learn, um, indie game developers have got to learn to talk, not only like convince other people that they know what they're doing, but convince themselves to look in the mirror and say, I've done this, like, like you, yeah. Tim, have not only did you start this marketing agency and sell hundred thousand hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of this plugin that you made, but you also started this YouTube channel and you you're creating games right now. And so you've got to learn to t like, just like I need to teach myself that I've done this, I can keep doing it and I can do it better, you know? And I, I yeah. want, I want indie game developers to learn how to do that, you know, um, to battle that insecurity. Totally. And yeah. I think like for me, like, I always had that insecurity and I was always scared of like, well, what if I do this and it doesn't do anything? Or what if I do yeah. this and I get a hundred thousand people to sign up and then I can't do anything and I can't have a life and my brain would just <laughs> like make whatever excuse just yep. to not get started. Right. Yep. And like the thing that usually always made me more confident is, is I mean, or the, the thing that helped me build the confidence was just having the courage to start. Cause I think courage and confidence are two different things. Courage yeah. Yeah. comes from no experience, just doing the thing that you're terrified of. Right. Confidence comes from actually having done the thing and like, you yeah. know, yeah. getting places. And I, and I, what I tell people on my channel all the time is like, I have spent the last 18 months building up a YouTube channel, right? Like I have 26, some thousand people. I have thousands on an email list. I have thousands on Twitter. 
I could come out with a rap album right now and I would get sales, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter what yeah. I do at this point because I have people paying attention. Yeah. I've spent the last 18 months making people care about what I say. Right, right. Right. And like adding value <laughs> to people's lives. Yeah. And I get emails all the time saying, Tim, thank you so much. You've added so much value in my life. Like, because I've spent 18 months adding value to people's lives. And when I come out with something, when I release a game, like by default, I get more players than everyone else that's not doing anything. Like right. you get zero, you get zero by default, yeah. right? Yeah. Zero people play your game, zero oh, people dude. download your song or whatever, yeah. zero. Yeah. And if you don't put in the work to actually build up something and make people care about it, like there, why that's, you shouldn't complain about that. That's just <clears> how the world works. I think, I think you're taking, uh, I always say, I was talking to my intern about this. There's, um, if you think about the, the indie game industry is like a maze, like a hedge maze. Um, right. There's, and there's like a pot of gold at one corner or something. And that's what everybody's looking for. <laughs> um, everybody's in the hedge maze, but there is a way to get out of the hedge maze, bypass the whole damn thing. And there's yeah. a backdoor entrance. And my point in saying this is that if you're clever enough with your marketing and if you're clever enough with how you approach the sale of your game, it is possible for you to fund your studio and and have revenue coming in from your games in a way that you didn't expect. And so I think with you, you're really you're in a really good spot, Tim, because you've got twenty six thousand followers, right? Twenty six thousand subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, it's close to that. And what you have is an army that's willing to support yeah, exactly. willing to support you and and like same to my subscribers is it's it's a new way to to make and market and sell indie games. You're not trying to hire, you, you, you can hire a PR agency if you want when you're selling a game, but I think the best way to sell an indie game is to already have that base there Absolutely. and ready to go. And so what I tell any, any indie game developers and what I say on my channel is, start building your base right now. So in mm -hmm. a, a combination of at least I won't speak for your channel, but my channel is one, I want to educate people and, and get people passionate about indie game development. But I also want to find a community that is like-minded and, and hopes to support games that are similar to mine. Yeah. Um, so it, that's, that's the benefit of building a social media following. And I'm starting to see that like the economy tends to favor people that have a social media presence. Um, and if you decide that you're not going to do it and you want to make indie games, good luck making a splash. But you yeah. see mediocre games, just mediocre games do well because those people put in the effort to build a social media following and a presence. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, dude, I totally it, – it's weird because like we did a Ludum Dare game jam like a couple months ago. And I, I made this game called um, All Followers Lost where it was like a stupid game where you just <laughs> – it was the stupidest game I ever made, but yeah. I had my girlfriend voice like this valley girl voice. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like like doing like stupid like voices. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking. I was streaming the whole thing and like then I just put it up there and I completely forgot about it. And I realized like I came in like thirteenth place or something yeah. in total Ludum Dare. Yeah. And like it kind of made me realize like holy shit, like that it, that wasn't a result of the game that I made. Yeah. That was a result of like all like the exposure that I could that I had the ability to put on my project at any one time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like and I, I like I realized that was the first time that I kind of realized like 
what had happened. Yeah. Because I didn't really, like, every other Ludum Dare, it was like 5,000th place or something like that. You know, <laughs> like, it's some... And then to just go 13th, it was just like, whoa, like, yeah. that's, you know... And that's a result people, of your following? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, to be honest, and since then, Ludum Dares, I kind of, I'm extra careful about that because I don't want to throw stuff like i feel like yeah it's it's you know i don't want to just send a bunch of people there and have them right like, exactly you know, you know it's, a, it's a balance um and but it's yeah. also it's also kind of a brutal truth that i think my subs and anyone who wants to make indie games they need to understand the value and the importance of of indie game marketing and building an army absolutely that supports your games because i spend oh man it's so sad but lately dude it's been like 70 percent of my time is spent just marketing and and building a following and building a press list and building an email list and like you know a little bit of time is spent actually working on games yeah. um, and that's that's a sad thing and like I that's why I <clears throat> hired an intern recently because he's doing an amazing job his name is Trip and he's just super talented um, SCAD grad uh, Savannah College of Art and Design and he's helping out with the marketing side of indie game development because. If you, if you don't have that side of the equation sorted out, um, right. you're likely to fail. Um, pretty bad, too. So, so just to repeat that, so there are three people total working on your project? No, just, uh, the, yes, actually, yes, you're right. I was about to say no, you, but yes. You're the Serenity Forge guy and then your intern. Yeah. You yeah. are spending 70% of your time on marketing and your intern is full on marketing. Yeah, well, here's the thing. So he just started so, working with me. So like we're slowly, I'm slowly trying to transfer the sort of a... Uh, a glossy smooth system over to him so that he can okay. knock that out. Um, so, so technically more than half of your team is focused on marketing. Yeah. You yep. can say that. I mean, think yeah. about, think Tim, think about who we're competing with, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so you have to, you can't $500 get... million dollar budgets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and even, even these quote unquote indie game studios, they're not really get indie game studios. They're, they, well, I mean, they've got like 20 people on their staff and they've got, you know, these million dollar budgets. So it's, and I'm not resentful of that, but I'm just saying no, 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 no. you've got to fight it. You know, you've got to fight and try and get that exposure because if you just try and drop your game into steam, even if it's like, I, I imagine how would braid perform? You know, you know, braid totally. Okay. Yeah. How would brain braid perform if they dropped it in the steam store now? Yeah. Um, and it's just a question, you know, um, and obviously maybe they had a great marketing team and they did a great job with marketing. I don't quite remember, but if they just well, dropped it in, it in a movie, that probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> and, so yeah. are you a child is, are you, a are you influenced by that, that documentary? Did you start your career, your indie game career because of that documentary? I, I didn't start it, but when I saw it, it definitely brought back the, the, cause I was in the midst of all the marketing stuff and I was yeah. just like, why? Yeah. Is that not what I'm doing? Yeah. So what about? But the, the, go ahead. I was just gonna say that that documentary, as much as I love it, and as much as it's feel good, it does not paint an accurate picture of I, what's going on because know, I don't Edmund think it does. specifically, he's a marketing machine, man. Oh yeah. If you've seen his Kickstarter for the Binding of Isaac uh, card game, mm -hmm. oh my god, I have never seen so much stuff he's put a, into like a. He Kickstarter is a like genius. That. He is an absolute genius, and I've been fortunate enough to like get some advice from him through email. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of Ed. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like um, when you look at all these, like for example, Undertale. Um, if you look at Undertale, you go, oh, it's made by Toby Fox. It's this one guy. 
But if you actually look at the credits, you realize, you know, this is, this is a big project with lots of people involved. And so, indie ga- you know, potential indie game developers who are listening, they shouldn't feel bad if they're not making a huge impact and they're not making a lot of progress and it's just them um, or it's just two of them. Because, frankly, yeah. if you're making any progress and you've even made that leap, you should feel really good about yourself because it is a huge totally. burden to bear. Um, and I used to be the guy who said, I'm going to do everything on my own and that's my shtick. And uh, now I'm like, to hell with that. Like, that's, that's, that's a recipe for, <laughs> for major depression and anxiety, which I would yeah. love to talk to you about that because I know that you, I saw some of your videos, you, yeah. you struggled with that. So what about indie game development or maybe was it just marketing put you, or was it even your career that put you in that position? Okay, this is going to sound like such first world white person <laughs> problems. But yeah. um, honestly, what contributed to all was just being in a comfort zone, I think, yeah. to be honest. Just yeah. like like I said, having a roof over my head, having food to eat, not needing to put out the game, yeah. but wanting to. Yeah. And then like that that was toxic for me. Wow. Because like... I don't know. There's something about like human psychology where when you're in a comfort zone, like it's it's rough to break out of it. Like if right now, if anybody, if if somebody were to take everything that I own, strip my bank account, like take my car, just boom, I guarantee you, I could have it all back in six months to a year. Yeah, me too. Like it, it would motivate the shit out of me, right? Oh, like because yeah. I've been I've been past due on rent. I've had my phone shut off. I've had my car repossessed. I know what that's like, and that yeah. stuff activates me. It yeah. like draws this like core primal force out Dude, of me I think that it, will make shit happen. I love what you're see. It's so funny. It's so funny when I talk to other indie game developers. They totally. It's like the same mindset. Um, this sort of go get them attitude, and also yeah. embracing suffering and embracing sort of pressure. Um, I find that. Who did I have? I had I actually posted a. A vlog last week about how for me like weightlifting and and just putting my body under pressure makes me happier um and the same is true with just responsibility in general um and putting a lot of pressure on yourself for some reason there's this like primal like caveman instinct where everything (laughs) everything is fine and and you're like i can do this like i'm good to go and when when yeah. I find that exactly what you're saying is true, which is when you're comfortable, you for some reason you worry so much more about stuff. Um, I, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, I'll never forget the day my car got repossessed. <laughs> I, I was like, I I wasn't living anywhere. I was practically homeless. I was living with my girlfriend. My car wow. was parked outside. We wake up and it's not there. And I just I was getting phone calls and I was ignoring them. And I just had ignored all of my bills to the point like I it was just insane. And wow. I remember this like calmness that came over me then. Yeah. Like it wasn't panic. It was just like, holy shit, nobody can take anything from me anymore. Yeah. Well, it was when, just like, I'm good. Well, when, like, there's when no more. Yeah. When everything is taken from you, you realize that it wasn't you. Yeah. Right. And it's not part yeah, of your identity. I think that was identity. a big part of it. That dude. Oh my God. So, so <laughs> that was a big part of it because like I had the Dodge Challenger, right? Mm-hmm. I had this brand new, beautiful Dodge Challenger. And I bought it. It was way too expensive for me at the time, but I bought it anyway. And like when that got repossessed, yeah, it was like that was part of my identity. Like I had created this like 
successful startup-y marketing guy that drove a Dodge Challenger. And that was yeah. like a core part of who yeah. I was. Yeah. And that shattered when that car got taken away. I love that. Because it was like there was no more of that there. I couldn't pull up somewhere and people could see it. I couldn't pretend that I was that. It was just like gone. Well, can you imagine? And Go ahead. It, it was just, it was, I'm telling you, like most people, like when I tell the story, it seems like it was one of the worst days of my life, but it was like, it was like the sense of like calm strength. Like, no, it's, it's all good now. Like yeah. I, it's, it's just peace. Yeah. Like I, it's just, I'm going to make shit happen now. Yeah. I think, I think the avoidance of failure is results in, in a, like a spiritual or a slash, depending on where you are in the spectrum or an emotional failure. Like your body and your yeah. mind is not meant to be comfortable. And so when you put it in I a agree. constant, constant comfortable state, it doesn't know what the hell to do with itself. So yeah. I think our minds, yeah. I, like for me, like my mind is much better. It's healthier when it's, it's solving physical problems. So that's why I love weightlifting and exercise and stuff. It's so much happier when it's solving a problem. Now, if I'm not solving a physical problem, it'll jump to some emotional problem. It'll, it'll, it'll find something to be worried about. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'll connect my worry to something physical and tangible that I can solve in an hour, uh, as opposed to worrying about finances or my marriage or my daughter yeah. or my game studio. Now, I do wonder, though, Tim, you, you say, I'm glad I got rid of the, I'm glad the challenger was removed from me. How do you feel you'd respond if your channel was removed from you or your your um, your game studio? It, it would highly depend on the context. <laughs> um, like if if there was an injustice there or there was like someone that like something I don't believe should have happened. Yeah, it would like it would fire me up and I would go twice as hard. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's any other scenarios. What where, if it was like, your fault? You know, feels my fault. Oh shit! See, that's the question. Uh, now we're getting the, now we're getting the <laughs> deep philosophical questions. So I actually don't think if it's my fault, I, I don't think it's a big deal. So I, I don't know if you know yeah. this, but um, like two months ago, I, I did a I stopped a year of daily videos. Every single day for an entire year, I posted a video. Wow, dude, where and, you go? Yeah, and it 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 blew up the channel, right? Like it, I say, eighteen months, but really it was all that year because the first six months didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was that year of like daily hardcore hitting it every day and yeah. I stopped and over the last 60 days I've watched everything just kind of go downhill um, like the the stats and everything in the channel got cut in half and yeah. I realized that like <laughs> it was moving forward just from like raw sheer effort yeah right it's not necessarily I don't have the best editing I don't have the best content I don't have the fancy stuff you know I just raw effort every single day yeah and um i kind of like it i guess it kind of affected me a little bit because i was just like shit like i didn't i never really thought of it as like people say oh youtube is passive or it's passive income or whatever. no like for me it was full scale active yeah like working on it every day yeah and uh i tried to turn it into passive and it just was not responding so yeah the way I responded, like after a couple of days of feeling bad about myself and uh, <laughs> pity, like after I got that over with and I was just like, no, well, I'll just do what I did. That's not a big deal. I'll just, yeah. you know, it didn't work. Tried an experiment, tried a bunch yeah. of stuff. And literally in 60 days, I tried 
probably 50 different experiments on videos. I love like, that. Like uh, everything from like changing titles around to doing fully edited videos to seeing if I could get more shares but less YouTube stuff to yeah. like seeing if I could get more views per video if I posted less. Like yeah. there's so many like marketing experiments there. And like I learned a lot, but in reality, back to what I was doing initially, like daily unedited pieces of my mind uh posted every day seemed to work the best and yeah. that's what i went back to and then now it's on its way back up to where it was and i yeah. i learned from i wouldn't even really call that a failure like I, yeah. it's because i never really thought of it as a failure like i realized that my identity was starting to get tied to those numbers yeah when i when it went down because then i was like that's the to feel worst bad. i was like oh shit the numbers are yeah, it's it's that. But luckily, like I said, I've been through that with the car. I've been through that with a couple <laughs> things before. So I recognized it. Yeah. And I was just like, no, this isn't, yeah. you know, I, I have a beautiful community. We have an amazing discord. We have an awesome email list. Yeah. We hang out like I can hop on Twitch or YouTube any anytime and hang out with yeah. like a hundred plus beautiful people from all over the world. <laughs> like it's not no, there's no nothing's bad here nothing's wrong right. it's just i need to if i want to grow the thing i got to keep doing what i was doing and just yeah. stick to the grind well it's a uh, i live by the motto that if you're not failing you're not trying and um totally i i totally. i'm i say i would go so far as to say especially indie game developers they've got to pursue failure like try and fail and and get used to feeling it because absolutely the moment where like for me i just don't care anymore about I don't I honestly do not care about failure like I launched I launched pinstripe in 2006 17 and it did fine it just it didn't explode like I wanted it to and um, I was like close to bedridden upset about it um, because I had you know invested Shit, five years of my life into it you know yeah. um, and I was so upset and so just pissed off and somehow, you know, I got through that emotionally and I guess, I guess it was kind of like a first world problem that you can just get over. But like yeah. I got over it and like, I look back on it and I'm like, the reason it brought me down was because I made it me. Like I made my game yeah. a reflect. It was like my mirror. And I, I realized how stupid that is because I play the game now and I'm like, this is a good game, but my goodness, it's not you. It's it's just a game. It's a it's a silly game. Um, Did so now, that realization come at once, or was it like over a long? Dude, it time? was over. It was over. Uh, I found I found out that my game wasn't performing the way I wanted. The same time I found out I was going to have a daughter, and I was low on cash. Oh, wow. I was I my like I was low on cash because I was surviving off of Kickstarter money. Um, so wow. I, it was just like it was just slowly dwindling. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm done being a game developer. I'm a dad now. You know, I'm that. I'm gonna be like making dad jokes, have dad bod, and I'm gonna like <laughs> tuck my shirt in and go get a marketing job. Like I was, I was dead serious. Like that is who I'm gonna be. And I kind of let that. I kind of basically lived in that quote unquote reality for three months. And my wife really wow. helped me get through it. Of just like thinking, you know, if this is what happens. So be it. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not going to try, but right. it's, it's basically the ability. What I learned was when you come face to face with your, your greatest fear, which my greatest fear, Tim, is, is to be mediocre, 
businessman, you know, um, that's my greatest fear. Cause for some reason I, I cannot work for a boss. I, I, I hate working for a boss and I, I hate when I can't put my ideas onto a screen, like my ideas, not someone else's ideas, which is I'm why, with you. which is why I hate marketing. Um, or at least <laughs> taking on client work. So that's my greatest fear. Like that's my boggart. Right. And if I was, if I was, is that what it is in Harry Potter? It's a boggart. Um, <laughs> it's your greatest fear. So if I came face to face with it and I thought, Oh, like I can do this. Like I can live with that for a little bit, probably not forever, but I can live with it for a little bit. And that's when I, I just said, okay, I'm fine. And then I launched my next Kickstarter and it blew up and then I'm good to go. And I noticed you put that story in your Kickstarter video. Mm-hmm. That was the story, man. Cause like basically the, the point of Once Upon a Coma, my next game, which was Kickstarted this year for 96,000, well, $86,000, but we had a post campaign for another 10. So now, the reason why that game, why I'm excited about that game is because basically the whole point of the game is you are not your career. Um, you are the closest you can, you can be to at least a lot of us, the closest we can look into who we really are is to look at how we thought and who we are when we were kids. And so the game is all about childhood and, and basically reconnecting with your, maybe not who you were as a kid. Like, cause a lot of people had terrible childhoods. Like you said, yours wasn't wonderful. At least you said it was, you know, tough. Um, you know, so a lot of childhoods aren't great, but at the very least, there is an essence and a beauty in a child's heart, which is a confidence, a belief in who you are, not what you do. So yeah. if you believe that you're, who you are and who you were born as is beautiful, um, I think you're much likely to be a happier person than if your output Like it's such a consumer mentality is what I make and what I do and how much money I I can bring into my family is who I am. You're destined for emotional failure. Like you're going to crash and burn. But if you realize like a child that I'm just me, like I was born with these talents and I'm going to have fun with them, then you're just going to be happier. Um, Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to hear you say that because like that's actually something I've been legit struggling with. Really? So the past two years I've been 17 games and my whole philosophy was like quantity over quality. And yeah. finally, after doing all that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to this project that I started a couple years ago when I was still working in my marketing company that I just, I went through this really rough breakup and like yeah. it started this project where I called it philophobia, the fear of love. And it was basically you're you you're in literal hell where love is literal hell and all <laughs> yeah. of the enemies are hearts. Oh, right? that's, that so is like, so true. It's, it's it was such a personal project and there's so much of me into it. Mm-hmm. And when I started working, it was supposed to launch last Valentine's Day, um, and I just I had to delay it for an entire year just because the first thing I did naturally as a game developer is just redo everything and completely do it ten oh, times yeah. bigger. Oh yeah, of course. Because that's what we do. <laughs> like we can't we can't just finish a game we have oh, to make I know. it 10 times better I'm in that right now actually so <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah so but I'm all of those 17 games I didn't have an issue with right I we I would do them on live streams we'd have fun with our audience we'd build we push them out see how they do we get everybody feedback it'd be a giant cool collaborative process never once did it cross my mind that the games might fail because I never 
intended the games to do anything, right? Yep. It was just like, yep. I want to make video games, and I'm going to do it with a bunch of people on the internet that also want to make video games, and then we can all play each other's games. And we <laughs> did that, and it was great. But yeah. it's like this project, because it came out of like my soul, because it came out of like such a personal yeah. thing, because I've, I feel like so much of me is in it. Mm-hmm. I, I think in a way my identity is being tied to it. And for me, like I'm not afraid of the financial failure yeah. of the launch. I don't give a shit if I if I sell games. Like I, you know, I I feel like my calling in life really is more akin to my YouTube channel than actually yeah. be like a game developer. Like yes, I oh, love making games, but I, I also I love teaching too. and and helping people. I think I lost What was you. that? I think I lost you there. Say oh. that say that last sentence. I was saying like I feel like my calling in life is more akin to my YouTube channel than yeah. actually full game developer route. Like I I love teaching, I love sharing, yeah. I love improving myself yeah. and other people around me so I'm, yeah. I'm all about that but like it scares me that the game might not be good yeah because this is the first game that i feel like i've poured myself into and then on top of that i have this whole youtube channel where i teach stuff about game development all the time how can a dude that teaches game development make a game that's not good well i don't think you know? i don't think anyone like, any, i don't think anyone would look at that as like i think you're the only person and and I, I would understand where you're coming from, but I don't think your subs would ever think that because. No, no, no. But that's what makes it worse for me. That, well, they, because I just, when I ask them, what yeah. do they think? They say, oh, it's great, Tim. And I'm like, no, fuck you. You, well, you watch my videos. Let's say, no, like, but let's say, <laughs> let's say your subs were like, okay, this game is bad. I don't think they care. It's the same reason why a, a coach can't play as quarterback. It's because he's much better at, at, um, leading a team or in your case i don't know whether your games are good or not i have not played your games but let's say your fear is realized it doesn't matter because because there are people who can coach and lead even if they can't do it themselves and the team doesn't care whether the coach can throw a hail mary pass because i i assure you most coaches probably cannot um so it's i think that it doesn't really matter whether or not and in my case as well, I've thought about that too because I've I've made some some serious mistakes with my games, but I just don't care. Like I I, I know yeah. what I'm passionate about, and I know that I have really good things to say. And like I've learned from your channel, you know, um, I've learned a lot from your channel and applied it to my games. So I don't care whether you are pumping out quality games. I bet you can. <laughs> I'm sure you are. But I'm just learning, dude. Yeah, like about back to what you were saying about how you're like this how this game is received is might affect how you perceive yourself what i'm learning is looking i love history so if you look at history artists are never perceived as quality until they die lesson learned lesson learned i gotta go die yeah and what (laughs) alternatively what you do see is artists that are really popular and then die it be their their work becomes irrelevant. Um, so my point is, is I, that I agree with that. Good work, it's almost so abstract. The term "good work" is so abstract that you almost you almost have to just throw it out altogether because we don't really even know what's good and what's not. Yeah, that, and that's true. Like I, it was just interesting to hear you say that from a past tense and me saying it from a current tense. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, I was just like, thinking about Majora's Mask. Actually, have you played Majora's Mask? I have not. Okay, that game was received terribly. 
Um, it was it was the the sequel to Ocarina. Of, well, I guess it's kind of a sequel to Ocarina of Time. Um, and it was received terribly. It was horrible, and and people thought it was just a garbage game. And uh, at least that was what I remember. And um, now looking back, it's like aged like a fine wine. Yeah. Um, it's got this huge cult following. And so the point there is, I have to. I believe in Pinstripe. I believe it's a great game, and and it's it's still bringing in residual income, and it's it was successful in that. You know, Time Magazine loved it. Washington Post loved it. And it has a really good user score right now on Steam. Um, I think it's 9 out of 10. But... You're such a marketer, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, it also, it didn't perform like I wanted it to. And I can't sit here and say, it didn't perform how I wanted it to, therefore that is what it is. Like, its performance does not equate to its quality. It's quality. Um... And the same is true, like if you watch movies like uh, It's a Wonderful Life or something, um, you know, the whole point of that movie is you don't know your value. The last person to right. know their value is the person themselves. The people who know their value totally. are, are the people who listen to their friends and their family and say, okay, this is who you are. Um, so if, if we're like listening to what our game is telling us and how good our game is, and even what people are saying about our game and then having that reflect on us, that's just not an appropriate way to, to, to look at yourself. No, um, I agree. Yeah. I, every time I've done something in life that I feel is worth, like, notable, it's always been from that place of, like, let's just do it. And if it doesn't go well, oh, well. Let's just, like, <laughs> make it happen. And some of the craziest experiences in my life, like, I never once thought I would build a marketing company. That was yeah. just the result of me seizing opportunities, you know, left yeah. and right. Yeah. Um, same thing with like some of the games that I've made. Like I, seriously, there's been times where I've gotten on stream, had no idea what we're gonna create. Two days later, and like I've made a game with the entire stream, just using a bunch of ideas. Like we made a game that I took. Like I I started it started out as this prison break game, and then someone suggested we put gnomes in it, so we put gnomes in it, <laughs> and then someone else was like, hey, I have this heavy metal track we can use, so then I ended up with gnomes and heavy metal, and then I was like, okay, well let's just shoot plants, yeah, and then so it's gnomes shooting plants, the heavy metal, and then there's this old guy that flicks you off, and it's like, yeah, it that you have to have that like courage and that confidence to do stuff like that because if you're constantly wondering like. Oh, will people like this? What will people say? Like, will this work? Will this be like? It yeah. it just destroys your brain. And well, it stops it's everything uh, from working. It's it's what you just described was that you're being playful with your development of your game. Yeah, and playfulness yeah. playfulness inherently includes courage. Like that's what it comes back to the our discussion about kids. Yeah. Kid kids are, have such an easy time being playful because they're courageous that they're not going to get hurt. And that they're not going to embarrass themselves in front of their friends. So they're just not yeah. afraid. And I think that that's so... If you're going to make a damn game, you better be playful. Otherwise, it's going to be a boring <laughs> yeah. game. you got to know how to yeah. play while you're making your game. Um, and so I think totally. that's especially important to just be playful. And, and what I want my subs to know is that if you're making a game that you're not passionate about, good luck being playful and good luck making a good game. Because if you're going to be yeah. an indie game developer, you have to learn that it's going to take you years before this game is done. Um, and oh, yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if you're going to be committed, it's like a marriage, right? If you're going to be committed to this, for me, if I'm going to be committed to my wife, I better like her. 
you know, I hope, <laughs> I hope that I like her. Otherwise, it's not going to be successful. And, uh, and so the same is true with your game. I see so many people that are like, I, uh, I want to make a game about this. And I'm like, are you, I mean, are you passionate about that? And they're like, no, but it's what I'm good at. Like it, Same thing in startups, dude. Yeah. I'm like, I got this idea for this app about this Uber for lawnmower people. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but do you like lawn care? Yeah. Or do you know stuff about technology? Yeah. Like, you know, you do something that you love. I agree. Right. It gives you that energy that you don't get otherwise. Like, my, my game, Philophobia, it's, it's three and a half years going on now. And wow. I'm so sorry. A struggle... Because <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> as much of a struggle it is, like it it is so like core to like my hum my being that like yeah. it has kept me going in all this time. Like yeah. it's it's you need that passion. I don't think passion is unlimited motivation. Don't make that mistake. Mm -mm. Don't think that just because you're passionate, like you're never gonna stop wanting to work on it. You yeah. are. You're gonna hate yourself for yeah. your project at some point. Yeah. But, well, I mean, like you gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta move past the fear too. Like yeah. I, so many people tell me now it's bizarre. They'll say things like, Tim, like, I don't know if you'll know what this is like, but I'm really scared to do my stuff or I'm really, and I'm like, no, dude, like, of course I know what that's like. I yeah. have the same oh, yeah. fear, but like, I've just been able to push past it. Yeah. Right? It's the same reason why I was on anxiety meds. Um, for so long during the development of pinstripe. And then if I wasn't on anxiety meds, I would drink a heaping glass of wine immediately before bed because I couldn't wow. settle down. Um, I had a huge problem. And so I totally understand where anyone is coming from when they say I've got anxiety about game development or I'm afraid. Um, it's a scary thing. And I think people who aren't game developers look at us and like, why are you so afraid? <laughs> what is the problem here? Yeah, it comes, like it's, it's bizarre. It's like I would rather drop my pants in front of the world than, than show them my game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because oh it's, it's so much more of a revelation of who you are. Um, it's not fully your identity, but it's much more of your identity than your, your crotch, you know? <laughs> well, I think it, it has to do with like, so if, if, you're, an, if you're a painter, right, you paint stuff, and, and that's what you do. You stick to that. You're great at that. And it's all good. If you're a musician, you make music and all that stuff. But like game development, especially solo game development, it takes it takes art. It takes mm -hmm. programming. It takes music. It takes sound. It takes interactive experience design. Yeah. It takes a knowledge of like how movies work and how people perceive things. Yeah. Like it takes all of the art forms and rolls them into one like significantly complicated piece of technology. Yeah. And so you're talking about art. Like, this is the ultimate form of art, right? Yeah. And that can make it so much more personal because it's yeah. not just if someone says, oh, I don't like the game and you're the artist. Well, you say, but it was beautiful, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but whereas, like, if you made the whole thing and someone says the game sucks, they're saying every piece of your art, every individual yeah. piece, like, is, is bad. And that can hurt, right? That's like, crazy. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. Like, if I get – I, I – I do try and read my bad reviews as much as I can on Steam, <laughs> but I I, tr I just don't like to, but I try, and that is What's the logic behind that? Well, it, it, I think it's important to grow from the negative comments. You're trying to, like, you're trying to like build your tolerance? Well, the, two, two things, two things. First, it does grow. It's kind of like um, the body response. I, again, I'm into, like, weightlifting and stuff. So the body, the body responds to physical pressure. Like when you tear a muscle, it comes back stronger. It's like, <laughs> it's like Piccolo and Dragon Ball Z. 
Um, <laughs> but at the same time, the mind is the same exact way. So if you read a bad review or you check your bank balance um, or you have a, have a conflict with a family member or your wife or your husband or whatever, uh, girlfriend, whatever, if you approach painful, uh, I guess, reflections of yourself, you're much more likely to, one, learn to disregard them, or two, embrace them and say, you know what, you're right, I need to change. Um, and so yeah. either, either path that you take when you receive a negative comment is a good one. The only other path that's bad is, is getting angry and saying you're not going to listen. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why I like to read my negative reviews as much as I can. And frankly, like most of them are great, like stuff that I would write. Um, you know, I, I'm not sitting here <laughs> thinking my game is great. Like I, I know where the glaring problems are. And so I'm happy to read yeah, them. And you of all people, <laughs> non-developers don't seem to get that, that like you have a giant list longer than they could ever yeah. write yeah. of stuff that's wrong with the game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If you made the game, you probably know what's wrong with it. And it's the same reason why when you're in an argument with someone and you know you're wrong, but if, you're, if you've got such a hot head that you can't take it, then the same things that they're telling you you're wrong about are the same things that make you the most angry. Um, yeah. And I think that I, ga game developers need to learn to just take it in. You're a human being. You're not the perfect. You're not a perfect developer. Um, your game. I mean, if, if you compared your game to, let's say, if, if a god or like this higher intelligent being like an alien made a game. If you compared your game with that entity that made a, this epic, like infinitely better game, your game sucks in comparison. So I think that game developers need to learn to look at their games as a tiny, small little creation. And it's not a big deal if it sucks because you're just a human. Yeah. It's, you know, I've actually recommended on my channel because I get questions a lot now and I get people in live streams, they'll pop in and they'll ask questions. And like, they'll ask me about like, Tim, like, I have this idea for this epic project. Like, should I do it or, or what should I do first or all this stuff? And, like, for me, the biggest thing that helped was, like, this... I, I embraced everything initially with this quantity over quality idea. Yeah. And mm. that helped me, like, kind of get rid of the fear of, yeah. like, making something bad. That right? makes sense. Because I'm not going for <clears throat> quality. I'm going for quantity. Yeah. But it also kind of, like, it when you make a few games or even paintings or whatever you cut you learn the the stuff that most people get wrong you learn all the commonalities you learn that okay this usually takes longer than it than i thought it would and you yeah. learned all this little stuff and like it tends to build confidence over time and like that's why i made over the two years i made the 17 games that i made most of them are small mobile games most of them are one mechanic uh games they're they're smaller but like that was more valuable than the three and a half years I spent in college trying to learn game design. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like yeah. that was like a crash course in how to make games. And like when it came to turn time to a longer term project, um, it it helped tremendously. There's yeah. also very different challenges with a longer term project. Hmm. But um, it's I I think a lot of people they dive right into their like super epic fantasy game, and <laughs> that may work for some people. Yeah. But most of the time like that can be dangerous yeah. like you said you made games you made coma when you were a kid right 18 17 18 18 so i guess a kid. did you make any other games besides that 
Uh, I made before that I made a game called Flash Geometry Wars, which was a complete ripoff of Geometry Wars, um, <laughs> but just a Flash version. And uh, that was the first time like I was able to Google my name and find it, so that was cool. Wow, um, yeah. that was a fun feeling. And then um, after that, I made a game called Skinny, and Skinny was kind of a flop. I mean, it did okay on it was like this game about a robot, but um, after that, I went full force into Pinstripe five years, six years yeah. later. And so you made a few games before that. What's, what's interesting is like when I, cause I mentioned your name to, to my girlfriend, a funny story that I'll tell you a little bit later about how she introduced me to you uh, like <laughs> a year ago. It was funny, but um, it, it was interesting that like w when you talk about Emma McMullen, people say, Oh, he made super meat boy. Right. And yeah. then he made binding of Isaac and those are the only two games he's made. Or like, no. I know you as the pinstripe guy, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's what I knew. That's the only game I knew of yours that you made. Yeah. And, um, people like, they don't realize that there's so much work behind the scenes. There's so many things that got done just because they didn't get the same level of marketing or acclaim or whatever as that project, they tend to think that those things don't exist. Yeah. Like Edmund made 37 some games before Super yeah. Meat Boy. Yeah. Like people. It, it just blows my mind that people still have this fantasy that like they can just quit their job, <laughs> uh, start on this dream MMO RPG that they've been thinking of since right. they were a kid, and then work for three and a half years somehow yeah. managing to survive, and then release it and make a million dollars <laughs> and sell it to Microsoft like Notch. Right. Well, that's like, the thing. It's Notch it's just, is not Notch is the exception. All right. He's not the rule. Um, and so I somebody <laughs> somebody was trying to encourage me during Pinstripe's launch. And I won't say who it was. And they were like, they were like, Thomas, don't worry. Uh, don't worry about your sales numbers. I know they're not great right now, but Edmund McMillan said the same thing and now he's a millionaire. <laughs> I said, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's like saying you'll win the lottery. It's okay. You just, you gotta learn to accept the fact that it's a really long journey. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I kind of wanted to talk about your journey um, we're, we're almost at an hour though. Um, it's been an hour of this podcast. So I think, are you cool with the remaining, I guess, 20 to 30 minutes being paid content on Patreon? Sure. Let's, let's do it. Okay. So the rest of the content for the podcast that but with me and Tim will be available on both of our Patreon pages. So you can either check out mine or Tim's in the link in the description. Um, so thanks for listening guys. Um, Tim, please, by the I way, appreciate everybody coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Take a look at Tim's channel and subscribe. Um, his content. Take a look at Thomas channel and yeah. make sure you wish list uh, once upon a coma on yeah. steam. Yeah. So this is a little bit of that cross promotion. Me and me and, um, uh, Tim are both marketing guys. So we're being manipulative right now. Aren't we, Tim? We're going to market the shit. <laughs> we're going to make you buy our stuff, which yeah. you should be doing, by the way, yeah, it's to other content. people. It's exactly support indie games and support indie game developers. So anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, peace.